and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davis, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, after lots and lots of technical difficulties, we are back. How are you feeling right now? Oh, man, buddy, let me tell you, there's not a whole lot of things I've done that made me feel more stupid than the microphone that that I've um, been dealing with the last couple days. The slick... The slick mute on the side of the, the little converter box is, is threw me off terribly. Yeah, we, we've been trying to connect and we've had to change like actual recording platforms because YouTube decided they were going to discontinue things. And and then we were trying to record and and then Ethan's whenever he had his head set on, it was muted. Well, it's OK, Ethan. We uh, I think we've, we figured it out right now and hopefully everything will come through clear for the people. And hopefully not too many pregnant pauses with me um, trying to push this button to speak, which is the best form I have for my communication, because um, the voice sensitivity thing is uh, maybe my voice is just not uh, melodic enough for the thing to pick it up on a whim. Yeah. So if any of you out there are like Discord people, we're using Discord. And if any of you like know how to make that audio pick up better and or, or have any like ideas for us, let us know because we're, we're willing we're willing to learn out here, um, but that, we're not here to talk about all of that. You know, we're here to talk about basketball, Ethan. And uh, I mean, in the doldrums of August in the NBA world, there have been some things that have taken place. Yeah, no doubt. There's a lot of things going on, like sneaky, sneaky good things for the city that I live in. Damian Lord accepting his designated player extension, obviously a huge amount of money, but a great player nonetheless. And a guy who means a lot to the community out here, CJ McCollum, um, extending himself as well, three years, $100 million um, added on to his deal, which will have him going on contract for four more seasons, Dame on, under the book, on the books for five more. It's, you know, it is cool to have some stability with the team, knowing that this is going to be your backcourt for the future. And since they've been together so long and CJ survived so many trade talks, you kind of have the feeling that Neil O'Shea is going to stick with this backcourt for the future. Yeah, it's – it's really uh, exciting, I think, for for those in Portland. I mean, you're able to you know lock up Dame at a, a huge number, but a number where I mean, he's one of the guys who has who has wanted to stick around in his city. You know, it's been noted that he that he loves he loves being in Portland and he, he loves it there. And being able to lock up him and CJ McCollum uh, through about the same time frame, like and CJ McCollum, you're getting him at uh, you know at, at a deal. That is, you know, three, three, a hundred. Like we we're talking about Bradley Beal turning down a uh, three year, $111 million max. Cause he can make more, but like the fact that CJ McCollum is willing to do that, to stick around in Portland uh, during the prime years of his career just says a lot about uh, you know, what they've got going on. And if you're a Portland trailblazer, you got to be happy about all that. And this team's going to be a little dependent on finding, you know, that diamond in the rough tier. And, you know, maybe it's a Nasir Little who they just dropped this year. Maybe it's Anthony Simons being that third guard who can go for 25, maybe like a Lou Williams style off the bench, which would be a really interesting dynamic of how you play three guards with elite scoring abilities. Obviously yet to be seen. But, like, this, this team is going to now be dependent on finding that diamond in the rough and that player that can make a huge difference at a low cost, at least when they start. Nurkic, you know, pretty cost controlled. He, he's got he's got two more years um, of his like you know around ten eleven million dollar salary, which is not a bad deal, assuming he is comes back at eighty percent of the player he was before his his horrific leg injury. Like I, I think, and Neil O'Shea has shown the uh, the ability to, to work around the margins. You know, trading for a Rodney oh, yeah. Hood, working in a Wade Baldwin, even though he only played about twenty games with the Blazers, Shabazz Napier was the other uh, gamble that year, and he worked out fantastically as well. Like, Neil O'Shea, for a lot of the criticism I was heaping his way, like, on upon my move to Portland, he really has, you know, finagled his way out of a lot of trouble since then. And, I mean, think about stuff as far as, like, on the bench at the wing. Like, he went through and, and you know, you saw Pat Connaughton become a, a guy there and become a player, and then it was, like, kind of befuddling to see him just let Pat Connaughton go. It's like, well, you you went and gave money to some of these other guys and it wasn't, you know, maybe you shouldn't have, uh, you know, you went and gave money to Seth Curry, who now is gone. Right. And you think about Jake Lehman, you know, also uh, also gone. But he's every single time like Jake Lehman was kind of the guy to come in and take 
those Pat Connaughton minutes and and to be able to go and play, and play through. Now you've got Rodney Hood. He went out and got Amaro Hazonia. Uh, and you mentioned uh, some of their young guys like Nasir Little. Like it's that wing spot. I mean, not to mention the most expensive addition in not the most, but at, at the wing in Kent Kent Bazemore with that with that trade. Like he's found some guys to come in and, and give them good minutes. And at the wing in particular is where it, they're going to need that help. They're pretty heavy at uh, center. You know, you think of us on white side and uh, you know, Zach Collins, who's probably going to play some four. Also, he hurt his ankle. Hopefully he gets better. Uh, and then Yusuf Nurkic, hopefully on the way back. And then obviously their superstar guard. So it's at that, at the wing and uh, at the four really that they, that they need to find those things in, you know, uh, Neil, uh, you know, they, they found in Portland, they found those guys. And so props to Neil O'Shea uh, with what he's done. It, it's honestly, I think the biggest testament to how all these players have come to Portland and have found, you know, their angles of success. Like obviously Jake Lehman, his success is marginal compared to what Rodney Hood's transformation kind of went through of the back half of the season into the postseason. But Jake Lehman like performed to like probably the like 98 percentile of what he can be in a, in a Trailblazers uniform when he was here. Like it took two and two and a half years for him to really become part of the rotation, but he became part of the rotation. And I think that's that's why it's it's okay to give Dame this huge deal. It's okay to give CJ these this big extension because these are players who have shown that they can work with almost anybody and make make a, a winner in the West, which you know the West has been good for a very long time. And these guys are you know kind of making it look easy to some degree. Right, and and granted, you know you've got. The, the the last couple no maybe the last year or two of this Dame Lillard uh, extension don't look very good because you're paying him over fifty million dollars a year and that'll be his thirty three and thirty four age season right and like when we talk about thirty three thirty four like we're now we're now getting up to like Chris Paul who is thirty four right now so you know it, it could look bad in the end but you know if you're them you're not playing for that you're playing for like this the next three years or so. And I think you're going to find good value on those contracts and, you know, in a year or two, even like next year, they're going to have some salary. And so that, that'll be nice. Ultimately CJ and Dame project offensively to age very well. They both shoot high percentages from three under duress right now. And you got to imagine like Neil O'Shea and, or whoever the GM becomes, um, will be a targeting you know, new players like that are going to be designed to play with Damon CJ, probably ideally some playmaking threes and fours that can assist them as they age with the playmaking. So they can maybe become a little bit more spot up shooters. And you could actually see these guys efficiencies raise with when they're not forced to create all on their own. It's going to take that finagling, working the, like finessing the angles of drafts. But like that is the, that should be the focus of drafts going forward. Is I need to find the talent that's going to aid Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum as they age. But this isn't a locked on or um, connected right. to the Blazers podcast. We've went probably six seven minutes on them. Like this is a contract extensions, um, rookie extensions podcast. So. Richard, I think it's time to like maybe mention some other extensions that have happened, uh, maybe the end of last season and in this season so far, or this offseason so far, to like kind of focus our way towards what will eventually be potential rookie extensions. Right, and I mean, uh, you know, if we want to go back further, like Eric Bledsoe got paid far too much money, in my opinion, and it uh, caused them to lose out on another guy who we'll talk about, Malcolm Brogdon. Right, so. You know, Bledsoe signed a 470. I think that was a mistake. And what we're going to get into a little bit in this discussion is when do you pay your guys the, you know, when do you go out and give them the extension? Do you go ahead and say, hey, you know, you're good, you're a good enough player. Let me go ahead and sign you right now, even though I don't have to, because maybe I can get you for a little cheaper than I might if I wait, versus, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. And this is more so, less so for the Eric Bledsoe. Like, if he hits unrestricted free agency, he could go wherever. It's the guys who are going to, were finishing off the rookie contract who are going to be restricted. It's like, you know, for Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray, those guys also got um, and signed their rookie extensions, which is estimated to be, you know, uh, five years, $170 million. Uh, but with those guys, they honestly could have waited. They could have waited till the end of the season. Um, in order to make it happen, and in doing so, utilize their small cap holds to maybe sign more people. Uh, so you really, it depends on where that where that team is. If they have, if you know, waiting would actually be helpful. If they're not a team that's already 
pushing to being above the, uh, the salary cap limit. Or if they already are, then I guess it doesn't really matter. And you can just go ahead and offer those con those contracts. So uh, that's going to be kind of where we're going with this rookie extension. We also should just mention, I guess, Draymond Green, right? Yeah, Draymond, Draymond Green getting his extension uh, four years, about $100 million. Um, and I think today it came out that the last year will be a player yeah. option. So yeah. that's really that's really nice for Draymond that he's going to actually have a little bit of control over his uh, his contracts at, towards the end of this. Although I'm a feeling the way he's aging, he probably will just want to opt into that um, at that time. Yeah, unless, unless there's a really good option to go win somewhere else because the Warriors have fallen off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that he's going to stick around because I mean, at that point, it's like you're you're you've already been a warrior through through it all and you know four more years like what's gonna be more important to dream one's legacy at that point maybe i guess you could go and chase a ring somewhere but i would imagine it would be one of hey i'm i'm a warrior for life i uh an underrated deal because you know getting him for that price is i think a really good a good move by the warriors they were able to get him especially with what he could have gotten if they waited right so I think this was a win win situation for the Warriors and a winning situation for Draymond because he still gets to be that guy in uh, Golden State beloved. And even if at the end of it, it's a lot, yeah, you know, it, it's still only going to be, it's still going to be under $30 million a year. It's not going to be like the Chris Paul situation. So I think it's fine. I think the, the way you could see the Warriors tearing it down is if, you know, Steph's not looking like, you know, the best player on a championship team and who you're really going to surround Steph Curry with to make him that again. Um, and Steph goes to a retirement tour in Charlotte. Clay gets out and goes to L.A. and Draymond opts out and I finds mean, a, a different thing. That's I like guess. the scenario I see where you could see the Warriors tearing it all down. But even then, like, that's that's a lot to think about. And why are we thinking about it? There's that's no true. That's true. An- another time. Another time. Um, so let's let's get right into we mentioned the two guys who've already extended right ben simmons jamal murray and with these designated rookie extensions these guys can only get 25 percent of the salary cap salary cap that's like the mini max that people can offer so like when we say hey ben simmons is now a max player like that's different from the type of max that tobias harris you know you know, receiving or, or even more so like the LeBron James max where it's 35%. So this is a different level here. Although we should mention if any of these guys that we're going to talk about today end up making one of the all NBA teams, it can go above 25%. It can go up to that medium level max of 30%. And Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray both have that written into their contract where like if they get first team all NBA, which I think is really unlikely, then they would get that 30%. Uh, and then for each all NBA team, they go down. There are, you know, degradations of, okay, now it's only 26 or 27, 28, 29%. Uh, so that's where those guys stand. Question for you on those two guys. Was it, do you think it was worth it for those teams in particular to go ahead and lock up their guy right now when it's when we're saying hey we're giving you the max anyways it's not like waiting would have made them pay less like if they made the all nba they're still getting that 30 whatever percent so do you think it was good of them or wise of them to lock them up right now i think it doesn't hurt anything and that's where i stand um neither of these teams were going to be operating as a cap space team like the cap holds of both these guys were going to be relatively significant um especially the Philadelphia with the re-sign of Tobias Harris and Horford, they are you know, going to be locked in the tax. Even without um, Ben Simmons's cap hold, the, he, they would have been up against the line. There's not a lot of flexibility they would have had. So I think with Ben Simmons specifically, you might as well get it all tied up and send it on its way. Murray, I could see a little bit of intrigue into like holding off because they'd have a little bit more flexibility, especially with a guy like Paul Millsap coming off, Mason Plumley coming off I, I know that there's other guys who are still eating up that money but mm-hmm. they they'd have a, a an angle to some cap space and i'm not sure what murray's cap hold would have been because i know he was a sixth overall pick right and, but he would hit starter qualification so i'm guessing it'd be upwards of 20 million and thus i'm i'm 
I am not concerned that they – I don't think they for, forewent any um, creative options by just locking these two guys up. Not not many. Like, even if you do have – and I'd have to go look at the numbers specifically, but it's not like Denver would have had Mac, a max slot. Like, you're talking – you know, maybe $15 million, which at that case, if you're an over the cap team and you really wanted to, you could go sign someone for, you know, a mid-level, you know, depending on where you are in relation to the tax, like you still have avenues of, of getting some players and, and you're not really risking. So I guess it's more, you know, goodwill towards the guy and hoping, Hey, if I offer you all of this, then, you know, maybe you'll stick around when you're also hitting your prime, you know, when you're getting your Dame Lillard contract next, you know, maybe, maybe you'll be more willing to stick around and maybe you won't bolt. I mean, we've seen from, you know, squads like this and I, I don't know if I'm lumping Denver and Utah, but like you saw Gordon Hayward leave because they didn't give him uh, as, you know, the, the full max for his, after his rookie. And so, and so there are some, some things that they got to think about. Yeah. Utah kind of, kind of gave, Gordon the cold shoulder when he was going through this process Mm -hmm. and he was like people forget he was on his way to Cleveland to sign like a very lucrative offer sheet that you know the Jazz might have been hesitant to match and he was going to join Kyrie Irving in Cleveland but then LeBron James was like hey guess what Cleveland I'm coming back and so okay never mind none of our offseason plans matter because LeBron James is coming back to Cleveland and but with that in mind like you don't want to, you don't want to play too much hardball with some of these guys who you think can be those second or first level stars because you want the goodwill. You know, they you want them feeling good about your franchise as they go into unrestricted free agency because at that point they can do whatever they want and you want you want the opportunity to sell yourself on look at these things that we've done to make your career better. You don't want to have them having any bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, and and I will say like I have been. A little bit, I don't know. I, I've been critical of teams in the past who've who've gone out and said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and extend, we're going to extend our guys a year early. Like you know, do what people did with Ben Simmons and, and Jamal Murray. You know, go ahead and do it early as opposed to waiting to the end. And but I mean, those situations have been different. One where it's where it seems to have worked out. One that it hasn't. In Phoenix, it seems like it's worked out to go ahead and offer Devin Booker that uh, you know that full max. However, if they would have waited, like we talked about, then uh, they could have had, a, you know, uh, had more, I think this offseason had more salary cap space to work with. They could have um, before going in and signing him to his max. But, but you've also seen where, you know, so that one, it didn't really matter. But in uh, Minnesota, on the other hand, the Andrew Wiggins, it's like, yo, if you would have just waited and seen, actually, maybe we don't want to offer Andrew Wiggins, maybe we can see what the market is out there for him and sign him to a market level deal. And if it's, you know, a max offer, he's restricted and we can just bring him back. But like they didn't give themselves the opportunity. And now Wiggins is one of the worst contracts in the NBA, especially if anyone who's, you know, not over the age of, I mean, I guess John Wall is a, a bad example, but everyone else is like over the age of 30. Like those are the really bad ones, like the Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. Man, you gave that you gave that money early. So those are the guys who've already done it: Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray. We think that both of those are pretty fine people to do it on. Uh, would would I would, would you agree with that? I think Murray's a bit of a gamble because I still am not super confident in his ability to just break down a defender and get to a variety of shots. I know he's got the step back in his game, but his shooting can um, wax and wane a little bit. I don't think it's bad by any means. I think the greater point I was going to get to um, when you were kind of talking about Andrew Wiggins is I was thinking about Otto Porter Jr. as another example of when you uh, as an example of when you waited and you ended up getting burned because the the Wizards waited in the offseason of 2016 when everyone had money. You knew he was going to get the offer and maybe you couldn't get the deal done, but he would have been a guy to really focus on trying to get an extension done ahead of time when you knew there was plenty of teams that were going to be like, yeah, go ahead, we'll offer this because, you know, we everyone has money. This is our best like utilization of it, taking a chance on getting him. So, like, there is a little bit of a war to be waged, but if there's, if, if there's a limited market out there, I almost would say holding off is always a good idea. Right. I mean, and that's a really unique situation. Like you mentioned summer 2016 when everyone and, and you know, their mother had fr- uh, free agent, you know, had, had space that they could sign free agents with. 
Um, this offseason is not that. There are uh, a few teams uh, less than this year who have max space uh, and some that have reasonable space, but you know where they can sign people for less less than the max. For Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons would have gotten a max offer from another squad out there, uh, even in this small of, of a you know of a market coming up. Jamal Murray probably would have as well, and so I don't really have any issue with those guys. But it's the other guys that are coming up here that we're going to talk about, and I don't know how we want to go about. It. Do we want to go about it and saying who you would? extend at the max level or or maybe what what percentage like if, if 25 is is the max that they can get is there a percentage where you would extend them and say i'll give them this this much i mean is, is that how you want to approach the, these uh the next guys here that we're going to talk about i want to identify the guys that were drafted in the first round of the 16 draft who are still making impacts in this league okay you know starting with the number two pick brandon ingram all the way down to the number 29 deontay murray guys who are pretty established within their rosters what guys do you think like need to be retained by that team? And then I think starting off, which guys warrant a max versus who who could get one in an offer? And so the guy I want to actually start off with is is Pascal Siakam because I think he's the most boring guy to talk about on this list because Richard, given the fact that how well he played in the finals, the fact that he can get to his own shot off the dribble, I think spacing is going to be a necessary thing around him because his his off the gr- dribble shooting ability still um, is not something I'm impressed with, but his ability to catch and shoot and then his ability to get to the rim is, is obviously really good. But to me, Pascal Siakam is a lock max guy. You might as well extend him. I don't see the downside of it other than you're eating into Toronto's cap space, which then you just wait till the next season and you just you don't even let him take an restricted offer. You just offer him the max as soon as you've had an opportunity to like look into spending that cap space. So as as I look at this, like if you're Masai Ujiri, like and and he's done some cool things in the past, right? And I could still see him doing some cool things this year by perhaps letting Kyle Lowry go or or move on from Serge Ibaka or or Marcus Saul. But it's not like he's gonna say, you know, Pascal. I'm sorry, giving giving you the max is is really, you know, we'll give you a little bit. Like, I don't think that's that's a conversation that's going to happen. I agree with you. Pascal Siakam, he's going to get the max. Uh, he's the guy, maybe maybe Fred Van Vliet as well, like going beyond, uh, you know, going beyond in, into the future uh, that are going to be retained from this championship squad. And, and you know, who you, know, you kind of have warm, fuzzy feelings about if you are the Raptors. So, I mean, Pascal Siakam is one of those guys who you offer him the max, and I mean, even if you don't want to do it now because you want to retain some flexibility because they'll have some flexibility going in to, you know, the, the upcoming years, then, you know, maybe you just say, hey, Pascal, we are going to give you the max like it's going to happen. Um, we just want to retain that flexibility. So you don't have anything to worry about. It's going to happen. And hopefully that there's enough goodwill between you to where he's not getting upset about that. Agreed. Agreed. So he's super, super max. Like he's he's guy that you want on this team. You're gonna make him a max player. Yeah, don't okay. don't say super max. That's something else, right? Like, I know NBA vernacular, but yes. To, to be completely honest, I'm still work like working on this little push to talk thing. Sorry, and you know there's a pause here and there that I'm working in. Um, so yeah, Pascal, he's gonna get maxed, but the extension doesn't make sense for the team because maybe there's a free agent out there that you guys could bring in to um or even take into cap space with a trade that can make a huge difference when you got guys like Kyle Lowry, Marcus All coming off the books. Maybe they're past their primes. You don't want to keep them around. So keep that in mind, guys. You those guys, there's gonna be money to be spent. Raptors would like to. Yep. Um so that is the number one guy who we think, okay, this guy is assuredly going to get max money. Uh who's the next guy who you think will will get it. I think Jalen Brown is the next most attractive player on this list. Defensively can guard quite a few players. Like his his defensive woe has come against LeBron James. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Everything else, he's a really solid defender. He's you know he's a streaky shooter, good athlete though. Finish struggles to finish around the rim for whatever mm-hmm. the reason may be. I think he honestly just studies the angles too much because he's a smart. He just needs to get some feel up in there. But at the end of the day, Jalen Brown is a really good player. He's, um, I think no matter what, if he hits the open market, he's going to get maxed. 
I'm looking around at teams that will have some cap space, and I, I think Memphis would be like a, a really attractive fit for him, just in terms of like I don't think know if he'd even sign their their offer, but they should offer him it. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the teams like Atlanta is going to have space. I know they just drafted a couple of of wings, but it's like you hope those wings can turn into what we think Jalen Brown is going to turn into, right? So uh, why not just accelerate that a little bit and and get yourself a a really good you know defender along the wing and, and some guy who who has shown uh, sparks on offense as well, like the ability to do it. Obviously, finishing the rim is what it is, but you know whatever. Charlotte, they're a team that that would have max cap space. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, unless he really loves Terry Rozier, right? I don't know if that's really a great fit, but again, these are teams that would have interest because who doesn't want a, a young guy on the wing who's shown three and D potential uh, and, and perhaps even a little bit more like who doesn't want that Cleveland has enough uh, Memphis you mentioned already. I mean, the Knicks will want things, but I mean, maybe there's a, a nice power forward available on the market that they go after instead, you know, uh, even, I mean, Toronto could have a lot of space. And I mean, imagine that I would imagine that they would, would have a lot of interest. So regardless, I think that Boston is going to have to give him a max um, off this rookie extension in order to keep him. Boston maybe should consider trying to get an extension here then because yeah. of that. And the fact that they're not likely to have cap space, given the Kimba Walker signing, um, yeah, you're not moving on from a lot of your, younger pieces that are still taking up a decent chunk this hour because they were drafted so highly like Marcus Smart just got his extension like there's a lot of pieces here that they're very much ingrained in what Boston is doing and will do in the future and with that in mind like I think Jalen Brown would would be wise to consider an extension I would push for the max but obviously you always should consider the fact that if you get critically hurt Money's not always going to be there for you. You're not Kevin Durant. You're not going to get a max go coming off an injury, you know. So with that in mind, like taking taking a tiny haircut for the sake of long term security, it's not a bad idea, especially when you're you're staying in a place that has helped develop you into a player that is very attractive to almost every team in the league. I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I don't like. Yes, like unless you're Kevin Durant. Granted, Kevin Durant is getting like a huge max, a bigger max deal than what we're talking about. It's not just 25%. But like, I even think that even if he were to get injured, I think that obviously they should go for, you know, go to try to lock him up uh, on, on a extension. But, you know, a team like Charlotte, they're not going to be good in the immediate. I don't, I mean, if it, unless it's something that you are actually fearful of how it's going to affect him in the future. I mean, most, a lot of injuries that end up happening to guys, uh, especially at his age, you know, aren't, necessarily something that that holds them back like you know another guy who we're going to talk about pretty soon is Karis Levert now Karis Levert has had a um, you know uh, history of injury and so for him it may make more sense to lock down a long-term deal like he's one who I think should very much go for that right now that that doesn't that extension but with Jalen Brown I think that there are teams who would still offer it even if he does have a an injury that that you know takes it on. I think I I mean I, I think I would because if it's not something that I think is going to be recurring or uh, an issue where it's like I mean an Achilles is different because but again people at his age don't usually go out because of an Achilles. He's just so young. No, and I agree again. I I'm not like, preaching that he should he should be seeking out an extension that's less than the max. It's more or less like some like. You, you do need to be, have enough in your head to like, okay, I'm not immortal. If a really big lucrative deal comes to me, it might be like to a couple million dollars off a of super, like whatever the max is. Like he wanted to say super and it's not a super max. Um, whatever, but take taking that money, it's guaranteed. Unlike some of your counterparts in the NFL, you can get that money and succeed. It's just something I would consider more often than not because you don't always know what, what the results are going to be. Yeah. I, I agree for, for, for most guys. Um, what's the next guy who's the most interesting to you? Karis Levert. Yeah. I, yeah, we guess we kind of, we kind of went there a little bit early, but yeah, Karis Levert. I, I think they really need to, like, you don't want to offend him and, and make him upset, but at the same time, like he's the type of guy who I, you know, is not going to be getting the max 
Like he's not going to be getting a max offer. I don't think out there on this free agent market and restricted free agency upcoming. Like I, I think that there are some teams who would like to offer him uh, a deal, maybe near, I don't know, near maybe 15, 20 million dollars a year. Right. It would, which we're not talking about. We're talking like in that about 20% range. Uh, so I, I could see teams wanting to maybe do that, maybe a little bit less if he, again, has an injury-riddled year. So he's someone who I think should look up to lock up the long-term bag. It just isn't going to be max money. Is that something you agree with? I think he could get a max offer if he made it to restricted free agency. I hmm. think the Nets would be very wise to not let him do that. I would be targeting, if I was the Nets, something like what Brogdon just got this offseason. That could be a little rich. That that's around twenty one million dollars a year, but I think that is about what his value would be, somewhere in that Malcolm Brogdon range. Now, Karis LeVert hasn't done it for a full season yet in his career. He has been injury prone, plagued, however you want to phrase it, and he struggled with that in college a little bit too when he was coming out. I think the interesting thing about Karis LeVert is for a guy who wasn't drafted incredibly high. In comparison to his draft partner, Brandon Ingram, who also has health problems of his own, they test out almost exactly when you look at their per 100 possessions numbers. They shot the exact same percentage from three. They shoot very similar field goal percentage. Um, Brandon is actually a little bit higher, but I think that's because he gets he gets to his spots in the mid-range a little bit more effectively yeah. and, and at a higher quantity, more or less. Um but free throw wise, very similar, seventy to sixty six. Karis Levert leading, but the offensive rating, defensive rating, very similar. It's like I, I think Karis Levert is a lot better than people think, and I think it'll own, his his numbers, especially shooting percentages, will only skyrocket playing next to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Guys are going to take so much gravity um, that he's going to get wide open looks constantly, and I think you might be wise to get him signed up now before his value goes up. Right. I mean, the interesting thing about that, and I, I guess I, I agree with that as well, because, I mean, bef- as we began the season last, you know, at the beginning of the year last year, it was Karis LeVert who was the best young guy in uh, in Brooklyn. And it wasn't until he went down with injury and D'Angelo Russell came up. And remember, D'Angelo Russell is getting, getting that money uh, that, he, you know, now with the Golden State Warriors. And so, yeah, I guess I don't know why he he wouldn't be. Uh, maybe I'm just, uh, you know, down on him because of the injury stuff as well. But if he puts together a healthy season, then, you know, I, I don't see why he he couldn't do that. Now you're playing with Kyrie Irving, who, you know, is going to be all dominant. I mean, D'Angelo Russell was as, as well. But again, uh, you're also not going to have Kevin Durant out there this year, which is the year that all of this, all these decisions have to be made. Right. So. I don't know. I it's an interesting situation. I think both sides would be would would do a good job of trying to come to a deal sooner rather than later. Karis Levert for the long term security, you know, Brooklyn for uh, trying to lock him down for a a cheaper deal. Kind of like you know, Draymond Green could have gotten more if he waited, but you know, kind of a a win win situation for both of them could be a, a similar situation for Karis Levert. I just look at this in terms of how the lineups, the closing lineup should look. And I look at Kyrie, Spencer Dimwitty, Karis LeVert, Kevin Durant, insert um, Jar- Jared Allen. Well, I mean, I guess you can throw DeAndre Jordan out there the first time around if you just need that for whatever comfort reasons. But I look at that lineup and I see size, versatility, and four guys who can get their own shot. And even if Kevin Durant's worse than he was, if he's nine, let's say if he's 80% of what he was before his Achilles injury, that's the best. He's still the, the best shooter in the league in any in, in, in given night. Um, I think Spencer Dinwiddie should be the lead guard. I, that might be a shocker to some people, but I think he should be the guy who facilitates most of the offense. Kyrie should be given the closer role because that guy could get 20 points in a quarter. He doesn't need to come out the gates firing. I want Spencer Dinwiddie running the show a lot of the time because he is a more natural facilitator, and I think that will help with Karis LeVert. You can swing it to Kyrie, have him do a little bit of playmaking, but Kyrie needs to go Lou Williams mode. I get buckets. I run a pick and roll for my shot. I'm not interested in what Kyrie can do with the ball in his hands otherwise. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Let's talk about Brandon Ingram. I mean, you mentioned him before. Um, He's an interesting case. Like, I don't think that you're going to see him come to a deal with 
the Pelicans this year. Like, I just don't think, because I think, uh, and I don't know what the, I can't remember what the cutoff date is for these extensions, but I think it's going to be too soon. I I I think it's going to be, I think it's a little bit earlier in the season. Uh, or like, is it before the season? I don't even, I don't know if I know this it, even. It used to be October 31st, but with the season moving up, I forget if they changed it to be like the still like the first couple ga- the first game of the season basically. Because I remember Josh Richardson basically signing his rookie extension. Granted, it was off a uh, second round guy, but he signed it like on October 31st. Like it was right at the buzzer. Same with Norm Powell. Yeah. It, point is, it's early on in the season, so it's not like the Pelicans are going to be able to see what they have uh, that that well. In in they have a bunch of young guys, a bunch of guys that they've got to find time for in this you know in in this um, rotation. And so I just don't see them agreeing on something because I'll tell you, Brandon Ingram probably thinks he deserves that Ben Simmons money and Jamal Murray money. Like he's going to be going for that, and he very well could get it from a team. In free agency, so I just I don't think that you're going to see them. Uh, I don't know who that team is. I, I I I guess it depends on how things you know go there, and maybe they the Pelicans would be willing to keep him. I mean, at the very least, he's an asset um, going forward. But the moment you sign, the moment you sign that that deal, money goes up. You know, become a little bit less of an asset because now not only is are your talents. Uh, a factor, but also how much money and, and how much percentage against the cap percentage against the cap you're counting for those things begin to factor in. But I, I think he's a guy who won't sign his extension and who could get max money uh, this off season. The Pelicans can't extend him. It they makes can. zero sense. Um, he, for one, the health reasons, which I hate to disparage the kid, but you, you, you can't sign up for that. Like as a heat fan who went through, you know, a similar situation with Chris Bosch. It's scary and it sucks. And Chris Bosch was already getting paid. And so like, it was kind of too late, too little too late. If you were going to try and like do anything to finesse out of it. But the point with Brandon Ingram being, you can't sign him, especially when you're looking at this guy as this, this entire roster is an enigma. You got Drew Holiday, who's a, a, a very solid two way player. You know, that he's going to be good. You know, he's going to contribute on an effective level. You got Zion Williamson, which we're not sure what he's going to be with an NBA yet. Because I've often said I would like to see him play against smaller guys, meaning playing him at the three or even the two, getting him in a phenomenal shape, take advantage of place advantages there. Jackson Hayes is not going to play a lot. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is an interesting guard off the bench. And that's not to mention Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and then also Brandon Ingram. This roster is a complete enigma. And Brandon Ingram, I don't know where he's going to find his minutes be, like – and his niche as a good basketball player, because he is that, like how is he going to get off to his, I facilitate, I play, make, I get my own shot when there's so many guys who are going to be needing their piece, not to mention his old teammate Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird roster where it's like there's a lot of people who are who expect to be in the, in the rotation. You know, J.J. Redick is going to be involved in there. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned Josh Hart and those other guys. Like there's a lot of people there. But uh, I I – at the same time, they're going to be like at the very highest. Maybe they get the eight seed if they get lucky and people get injured enough. But like they could, they're going to be in like that eight to eleven range, um, which I don't think is going to be separated by too much there in the West. And so it's just a lot of guys who are going to be trying to get minutes, and they're going to, you know, they're tr- they're they're trying to make the playoffs this year. That's what they're trying to do. So it's it's going to be a really interesting situation for him as he's probably trying to look out for himself and, you know, trying to, you know, secure this long-term money because this is the year that he's going to have to show out to do it. I think Brandon Ingram is most viable to the Pelicans as a trade piece. We're like, Hey, give us an established rotation player. We'll give you the lottery pick. That's what we, that's what I think his, his um, season looks like. Cause I think he is going to struggle a little bit. He's going to have his moments where he looks like the best player on the team and he very well might be any given night. But he's not going to be able to do it consistently because Zion Williams is going to get in his way. Um, and honestly, like, like he kind of slots in as their like power forward, and that's not his position of strength. While he's 6'10, he's very thin and not a power forward. But this team doesn't really have a traditional power forward. So I'm curious to see what his role turns into because maybe, maybe attacking power forwards is the way he turns into a superstar. I don't know. But. Yeah, it's going to be an inter- interesting process, regardless. I just think that naturally they're going to give Zion those those the majority of those minutes at the four. Um, I mean, they're 
yeah, it's just really interesting. And I just feel like they're going to have to trade somebody. I don't know who it is, but I feel like in order to uh, maximize what they're trying to do in the future, that it just makes sense for them to move one of these guys for, for assets, future assets, something. Um, it, it, it just depends at what point in the season do they realize that? Are they in a position where they realize before the trade deadline and can actually you know, make the transition? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. But he, he's an interesting one for sure. He won't get extended uh, prior to, at least I'd be really surprised. Brandon Ingram, go east because that's where yeah. you'll get some minutes. Because I, I, You're going to get minutes here, but like, again, Zion Williamson, I'm not convinced that power forward is, should be his position. That's where they're going to play him, though, because that's where the league wants to go. And I think it's a mistake, but it's going to infringe on Brandon Ingram's ability to be a great player. And so if I was him, I'd be looking to get traded. Yep, Buddy Heald, uh, the next guy that I want to talk about, because this is an interesting situation uh, that I think he finds himself in. I I think, well, first of all, both, you know, the uh, Kings should be looking to lock him down for a deal and they'll try to go below the max. I just think that he's going to get the max. I do. It, I mean, c- can you, if you're the Kings where you have you, he's the guy who you got for Boogie Cousins. Like he's the centerpiece and you already have Deer and Fox locked down and he's looking pretty awesome for the future. And it's him and Buddy Heald as your backcourt. And if you move on from him, ah, man, you just can't like, uh, he has, I think he has just a lot of positional leverage with what he does there. And he's, he's pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, I just, I think that he's going to command it just because he's buddy healed. I guess like, you're not wrong with anything you said. I would definitely be trying to avoid the max. Like I included Brogdon on this doc because I think he is such a good model for what players should be actually valued at like Brogdon at his salary makes so much sense to me and I think Buddy Heald makes a lot of sense at that number too granted it's it's not a max but max sounds but, like a lot I know but like here's the thing with, about Brogdon like I think that built into this contract is a little bit of fear because of the of the health issues that he has had like that would be uh, I think like you mentioned like uh, like Karis Karis Levert um like I think that if you think about his, you know, you mentioned him in comparison. I just think that that would be a, I don't know. I feel as though, again, like Buddy Heald might command more uh, just because of the leverage that he has. Like Brogdon had some leverage, but, uh, you know, I just think if they wait a little too long, um, I don't know. Do, do you see another one of those teams out there saying, you know what, you know who'd fit in well, Buddy Heald. Let's go ahead and and sign him for. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you see a team out there who'd be willing to do that? Well, Buddy Heald's a very not risky play. Like he fits everywhere. The guy can shoot lights out. That's the but problem. With that in mind, like it's about who like who offers it and will he take it to go there? Because like. I'm looking at these teams and like, yeah, New York might offer it because he's Buddy Healed or whatever. But like, I'm, but again, it's it's know. restricted, so it's he may offer it, and then the Kings might have to say, you know what, we, we can't we can't lose him. We we don't have the luxury of being able to lose him and be able to you know to to replace him in any way that's that's meaningful. And so, if there is a team out there who's willing to to you know put that offer out. I just, I don't know. You've got to try if you're Sacramento to get him locked up below it. I just think that Buddy Heald, if he decides, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and wait it out, he, he might be able to command that that big money. He, he very well might be like another team, like, like in similar to the Jalen Brown vein, like Memphis is the team that I would like to see a lot of these two guards go to because I think that team with the right amount of shooting is, is going to be primed for success for years to come. But of all teams that have money to spend it, the Grizzlies are the least likely for anyone to even assign that offer sheet. You know what I'm saying? And with that in yeah. mind, like, I think that but, is a leverage play. Like, It's the Knicks who have all the money, the Hawks who have all the money, and how often are you going to see players go to those two specific teams? The Hawks, I mean, Atlanta has been noted as a great NBA city in terms of players really enjoy visiting there, but we haven't seen a player go there just yet. Maybe the times are changing because that team does look really exciting. But here's the thing. If someone's offering you a max deal and your current squad really doesn't quite feel like they want to, 
I mean, not it's not just yeah, okay, Memphis as a location, but at, you know, at the same time, you're also signing up to play with a really good young trio. So I don't know. I I'd, I'd be interested in in Memphis, uh, you know, as far as fit for any of these uh, wings. As would I. As why I bring them up every time. So um, let's talk about. Uh, let's see who else we have. We have uh, Deontay Murray. Uh, you kind of mentioned him uh, uh, in passing. Uh, he... Let's do the two guards here. Okay. Malik Beasley and Deontay Murray. I think those are the two guards that are left among the draftees that are going to be up for extension. Now, Murray, sure. I think, is an interesting proposition because he has been hurt quite a bit. He can't shoot that we know of. Great defender, though. Um, but there has been a new emergence of Derek White as a guard that people like. You know, Patty Mills has been an incumbent guard there. Like, it's not like the Spurs are in terrible or dire straits if he were to get an offer and they don't want to match. So, I don't know what the Spurs' incentive would be to extend him an extension offer unless it's like, this is what we want you at. Here it is. And that I think that would have to be less than $14 million a year for the Spurs to be super comfortable with it. Here's the, here's the thing. Like, Looking at some of the teams out there, I'm going to go ahead and list off some team names that have projected space next summer and which of them need a point guard that can't shoot. Obviously, phenomenal defensively, but which of them has a need? Atlanta, they got Trey Young, right? You look at uh, Charlotte, they just spent a lot of money on point guard. Uh, Cleveland, they have like, I don't know, they drafted like another one this year. They have drafted another one last year. You've got in Memphis, John Morant, right? The Pelicans are... No, sorry, not now the Pelicans, the the Knicks. I mean, maybe they would, but I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll have to see with, with the Knicks. Maybe maybe that's a team, you know, Phoenix just went and signed someone. Portland already has someone. Uh, you know, Toronto, maybe, but I mean, they're going to have to pay Fred Van Vliet pretty soon. Um, and then it's Washington, and they don't even have, they don't have max money. So, and some of those teams, like I mentioned, don't have max money. Guess what? Is New York the only team that you're looking for? Uh, but they already have a lot of guys who can't shoot on that roster as is. So I don't know. I think that uh, San Antonio might be able to lock him up for a pretty reasonable deal. I don't think they view Derek White as much as, you know, we've talked about him on that one podcast that one time. Like, I, I don't think they view him as the replacement, but I think that they are interested in kind of maybe playing those guys uh, simultaneously just because of the havoc they could, you know, uh, cause other teams. Well, if the media has anything to do with it, Derek White is the starter. He's the superstar. Give him a max right now. And if the media has anything in terms of being able to put a, a contract talks to a screeching halt, Derek like Derek White Hive is going to make it hard for Murray to get some money. But I think that's where I said, you know, fourteen million dollars seems about fair to me. Maybe that's a little rich, but like that's what I I would deem as fair. So I could see an extension coming somewhere between that and 12, like 12 and 14 would make sense to me. Maybe it's not a full like four year extension. Maybe it's a little bit less, but like Murray is going to be a good defender regardless if he ever gets a shot. I think he's going to develop his handle and be able to get to the rim more effectively. Ultimately, like I'd be interested in keeping him on my team if I'm the Spurs, but you know, extension might not be in the cards for him. I'm I'm very interested in in him at that like at that figure. I think that's a I think that's reasonable and um I don't know. I, I like him. So maybe I'm willing to pay him more money than maybe he's even worth. So I don't know. I think well, I think that they they do well to to both uh try to lock something up uh before the season. Fair enough. Interesting to see though with DeRozan. DeRozan is a very good playmaker for that team. His his yeah. contract's up after this season likely because he has an opt out. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that guy if he were to opt out of his contract. Like if maybe they get an inkling that he will, maybe that incentivizes you even more so to buck up and uh, get Murray his extension so you have that incumbent playmaker on the on the staff. Yeah. Anyway, um, Malik Beasley. On. Yes, Malik Beasley. Interesting guy right here because he is obviously had some phenomenal playoff moments, but he was not a phenomenal playoff player. He's very much in the vein of that Gary Harris type, although I don't think he has the elite level defense that Gary Harris can sometimes summon. Pretty average jump shooter. Looks really good, so I have faith that it's going to continue to get better. But Malik Beasley playing for the Denver Nuggets uh, long-term when they already have signed Bart. I know his, his contract's not super long, but he is on the roster. They they have Murray's extension that's kicking in 
soon next season. Jokic is is paid properly. Like, do they extend him when they don't have a lot of flexibility, especially after um, the Murray extension, or do they just say, "Well, Malik Beasley, let's see if you, what you can get in restricted free agency," because we already have some pretty good incumbents. Yeah, I think again when we start getting toward. Um, like there's a couple people where like Deontay Murray is just unique because of the injury situation. But when we start getting down to these like guys who are lower on the totem pole of this even weak free agent class, teams are really, I, I mean, after, after the top guys go, teams are really only going to be able to give them. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like you're, if you hold off on someone like Malik Beasley, you're going to be able to sign them to a, a cheaper deal in the off season. And you have another year where you're controlling the minutes and you can maybe curb a little bit of he's efficient for the minutes he's playing. Maybe he's not playing that much. I think that he kind of blew up in like NBA Twitter world. where like, Oh, this guy's doing pretty well on this, on this young, interesting team. And maybe it continues. But, you know, I, I think I could see almost all the guys that we've mentioned thus far getting more money than him. And with the lack of money out there, like the market could dry up before he gets that opportunity. So unless if you're Denver, unless you can get something at a, at a price that you like, I think waiting is the move for Malik Beasley. I don't disagree, especially since he is basically a straight two, like he's six, five, maybe you can play him with a three for spread us uh, for moments. And you already have Morris as a backup point guard, Murray who can kind of play the one and two. He's a, you know, a combo guard. Gary Harris is pretty much a straight two. Craig has established himself as the starting three, and you got guys like Hernan Gomez and Porter who translate his threes. Like, this team is pretty deep. And so, unless he really is kind of like popping off and proving that he needs to be part of this roster, I think he's the kind of guy you can, you can, you can flirt with, but don't, don't marry just yet. Yeah. And, you know, at such a cheap deal, like, you know, there, there's no need to, this is, this is the team that we mentioned. Um, that with Millsap coming off the books, like they could have, uh, you know, they, they can have some interesting things like that, that alone, uh, even though it's not like anything really worth speaking about, like th- there's some things that maybe they, they could do. I have to look more into the cap situation, but if they're any, if they're anywhere close, like just don't, just don't do it. Don't worry about it yet. They got guys like Millsap and Plumley coming off. Barton is probably a movable contract. You might have to get rid of an asset to get rid of him. But like at the end of the day, like we're looking at guys who are coming off that aren't part of the the, the main future here, because um, just for age reasons and and skill reasons with Plumley, I would yeah. I would, so I would think that you're that retaining these young guys who are have now been part of a playoff roster should be the the goal. But again, you know if if you can't if, if getting rid of Barton, like if you have to get rid of an asset to get rid of Barton, like already having him down at this, you know, middling like $11 million to $14 million contract, it does make Malik Beasley look expendable. And thus, there's no obviously no reason to extend. It's just really like you got to monitor him very closely and see if his value is, is going to push through with ob- and obviously a, a very deep and talented team. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see, see how it goes for him. Uh, let's get to the bigs, shall we? Yes, ending up with the bigs and Jakob Pertl. And and Demonte Sabonis, both these guys, pretty interesting players. Um, Sabonis, obviously, an apple of one hero while Pod's eye. Hurdle, I I would not think is as popular on this podcast, but a couple of guys who have established themselves as NBA players. Sabonis, you know, I think he could be a, a really good starting center. Obviously, can be a decent power forward for stretches, but I, you know, center is the way to go for this guy. Hurdle, uh, I think he's a good rim protector. And I think he is—he's he, not a terrible finisher, but like I don't see a whole lot else with him. Um, some people really like him though, because like, you know foot foot speed and stuff like that. Like even though I think he looks kind of slow, but he you know again he, he does get he does protect the rim um, statistically well. So with these guys' extensions, Pacers have a really interesting front court with this drafting of Goga Batadze and signing Turner to his extension last year. The bonus is kind of looking around like I don't know where my role is, especially start the starting power thing. Maybe he's really confident in it, but I am. I'm not personally. We'll have to see. I mean, can he extend his shot out a little bit? I mean, maybe. I mean, regardless, it's going to be a slow, pretty slow one. Um, it's not like he he's not. I mean, Pascal Siakam has has you know taken them more in that role, but 
like I don't know. I, I don't I don't know about uh, Sabonis and the Pacers willing. I mean, maybe you know we talked on the last podcast about you know teams going big. This is a team that has decided to kind of lean into that uh, with Sabonis. I don't know. I feel like they're going to just try to see how things how things go. I mean, they could offer him an extension, but I, I just feel like with where they're at, with a lot of the uncertainty that kind of surrounds this team, where you're hoping Victor Oladipo comes back healthy and and you're going to try, try to see how these bigs do as they play together. I don't know if they'll if they'll really force to make it happen. So, someone mentioned on some podcast, I can't remember, it was probably a ringer one, might even been Bill Simmons. I mean, maybe you'll remember here, but of the possibility of maybe trading because of the log jam of wings in Boston and the log jam of big guys in, uh, in, in Indianapolis. So maybe doing a Sabonis for Jalen Brown and whatever compensation needs to happen to push it through like that type of a move just for fit. Um, I mean, is that something that you could see taking place? I don't know, part, part way through uh, this year. Most, most definitely because I think Sabonis has a lot of Horford qualities. And I think that's the model that Danny Ainge is going to be targeting as someone who could facilitate from a lot of spots. Um, you know, for what it's worth, Horford's always had a slow shot. Now he's a better shooter than Sabonis, but he's always had a slow shot. So like, you know, Sabonis, while like it looks good, it just, it is like, you know, in cement as he releases it. Um, he's a really good center. He can pass, he can defend. He's not a, like, he's not, stuck on the ground like he can get up for some dunks and defend the rim like it makes a lot of sense to me if both teams are interested in going that way but the the, if i'm being honest and i'm being selfish and i'm sorry elkin for mentioning it i really hope that they just lose him in uh, restricted free agency (laughs) to uh toronto and i get to see sabonis and pascal uh play some basketball together because i think that'd be a super fun pairing yeah and and i should say about that potential trade that was you know mentioned like first of all that's not mine i I think jalen brown is more valuable just because he plays a position that I think is been is valued more, but it just kind of depends on, you know, what, what those teams want, but we are, we are far removed from the Celtics saying, nah, we don't want to include Jalen Brown in a Kawhi Leonard trade. We're a bit removed from that. Unfortunately for Boston, Jalen Brown, like I almost feel bad for him because like he kind of gets to be the whipping boy of like all, all these trades that didn't end up happening. Like, Oh, we and we're stuck yeah. with Jalen Brown. And you know what? A lot of teams would be very happy with Jalen Brown. I, for one, like I'd be happy. You, yeah. No, you'd be thrilled. My butt guy. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> I, I would be too. And I have a guy like injustice Winslow, who I think does a lot of like the intangible things that Jalen Brown does without the, um, like, you know, I think the heat check ability to score like, but like, you know, if you, I bet if you looked at some advanced numbers, they'd look relatively similar because there are some inefficiencies of Jalen Brown's game that, um, haven't existed in Justice Winslow as he's uh, like developed a shot and is a pretty good finisher at the rim. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, let, let's let's move to the big guys. My bad for for getting us off track there. No, no, no. Um, but Sabonis and Siakam would be so much fun to watch. Can you imagine? Oh yeah, it'd Can be fun. Imagine? It'd be nice. I mean, they, they're going to need a center. So I mean, that's the team that you're probably worried about in in all of this. Like I think that that's obviously the best fit amongst all these teams that are going to have uh cap space um, enough to sign um, you know, these, these young guys, at least make the offers like Toronto. If they really lean into the rebuild after this year, man, they're going to have tons of space. So uh, you know, you got, you got to pay someone and might as well go ahead and pair Sabonis with, with Siakam, uh, get guys on the same kind of time frame. It would be a really, really interesting uh, front court. Uh, Pirtle. Pirtle. I, I don't think he's really an extension candidate. I, he's good enough that I didn't want to leave him off the list because, you know, he's he was a piece in a Kawhi trade. The Spurs do like him. It's just I don't see what he does at an elite level that is worth extension unless you get him for, like, literally $10 million for four years. Like, four for 10, that sounds fair. You know, starting level center money for a team that's going to probably not have a Marcus Aldridge all that much longer. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the t- again, the type of guy you wait on because – I mean, unless, well, unless I guess, unless you're scared of Toronto bringing him back, right? Um, I would not be worried about that. It, maybe not, but uh, it, yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy that you wait on, and you're able to get at a like. This is yeah, you, you get him a reasonable deal, and it's like, man, I'm glad that he was a free agent this, uh, you know, the uh, next off season rather than the ones before it. Uh, so yeah, you wait on him. 
Uh, we'll we'll have to kind of see. It's just you know, it's been a weird uh, couple of years for him as far as being the guy playing behind the bigs in Toronto and then you know, going to a Spurs team where yeah, he's getting minutes, but he's also playing next to um, Lamarcus Aldridge. So we'll see. Yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of a relic in a way. But, you know, like I said, the big man revolution may be coming. So uh, maybe the yeah. relics are going to come back to life. We'll see. We'll we'll see. There are certain types, but we'll see. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Ethan? Nope. I'm, I'm honestly glad to have this uh, first first day on the new platform come to a close. I don't think it went horribly, but um, it's definitely something I want to kind of listen to and digest and see if there's ways that we can make it better. Yeah, so if anyone out there, again, uh, has any recommendations, we, we are glad uh, to, to take them. Uh, let us know on Twitter if um, you've got a better system because we're down. We're down for it. All right. Anyway, Ethan, good talking to you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Till next time.